I'm Marcus Brown. This is a Runner's Life podcast. This is a platform for richer conversations that explore the person behind the runner. I discuss the topics that influence us as runners locally, whilst concurrently connecting us to the wider global community. If you found value in the show, please subscribe and share with your community on social media and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or the platform selected as it helps the podcast grow. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash a runner's life. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's head to the conversation. Hi, Paul. Welcome to a runner's life podcast. How are you getting on? Hey, Marcus. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for being on the show. Um, No, you've been requested to come on the show and I'm also a big fan of the stuff that you do so this is going to be a real exciting conversation for me and I know for the listeners. Um, So the first question this is a two-part question initially can you tell us what your first running memory was and secondly what are the reasons that you continue to run today? Oh wow okay Uh, my first running memory well my first run I guess was uh, still at the home of my parents so I went out um, I think the standard kind of thing to get a bit of fear, lose weight. Um, so yeah, I went out for a run. There's like a little loop from my parents' house. It must be 3K-ish, I guess, around there. And yeah, I remember running out, running out the door, you know, and you feel like an athlete up the road. And I think about half around, I was exhausted, had to stop, walked a bit, stood around, kind of struggled home. And uh, yeah, got back and just thought, yeah, not disappointed but I thought oh wow I should be able to do that so um yeah the next day or a couple of days later I went out and I ran about 10 miles I think just to uh kind of prove to myself that I could do it um obviously maybe I learned a little bit from the the few days before started slower whatever it was but yeah that's my first kind of running memory it sounds like you're quite competitive from early on so or just like not with other people but with yourself almost kind of just keep pushing uh yeah I'd say yeah I'm very very competitive (laughs) and so what's the reasons why you run today from that that that, those first sort of memories uh I just love it I just love running um so that's the thing well I love running most of the time um you know there's obviously times where it doesn't feel so great but um but that's what keeps bringing me back so that's why I keep doing it yeah I enjoy it um and it's really simple you know it's you can just push yourself, push yourself. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's nice. It's, there's no real complexities to it. We make it as, as difficult as we want, I guess, with watches and heart rate monitors and I use all of that stuff, but yeah, the crux of it's, it's just, uh, it's just simple and I enjoy it. Yeah. I think someone asked me the other day about like, what kit can you, could you not do without with running? And I was like, well, I think the main is like the shoes. I was like, no, okay. Well, what about like, obviously you've got your shoes, I thought, okay, well, push on my watch. Do you know what I mean? But essentially, it's just you running because you enjoy it. You, I mean, like you said, all this other stuff is helpful, especially with heart rates, especially when you're trying to work at your paces. But when you go back to the actual joy of running, it's not really a lot that you actually need to do it. No, agreed. And, you know, my my uh, coach probably shake her head when I say it, but, like, my favourite run of the week is probably my, probably my steady run on a Monday morning where you just go out, start relatively easy and run comfortably fast for a while. Um, although I have my watch and everything on, like that's probably my my favourite run. So, yeah, that makes sense because I guess cause you you just can just be in that moment rather than being like I've got to hit these paces and think about the pace you got hit in when you're on or the, the pace you got hit during recovery or whatnot. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, there's no real target. You know, comfortably fast. Um, 
there's a guide pace, but you know, it's it's just a it just feels like a good good run. <laughs> I enjoy it. Absolutely. And uh, pre-COVID nineteen, you represented England in the uh, Frankfurt Marathon, and you ran your PB of uh, two seventeen and sixteen seconds. Um, with no races at the minute, how are you staying motivated? And um, kind of what are you planning? Well, well all things going well um, to to run in the future. Uh, all things going well. Um, London Marathon would be the next one. I was obviously due to run that in April. Um, yeah, but that would be the next one. So. Yeah, that's that's the next race that's lined up. Um, yeah, in terms of motivation, like I said, I just kind of I enjoy running. I've uh, I've done a few sessions, got uh, plenty of running with my girlfriend. So yeah, we've um, kind of can can enjoy that side of it. Um, I think training can, when it gets very specific, can kind of tear you away from being able to to run with people, you know, as frequently as you want to. So yeah, I guess that's been um been the motivation and yeah racing will be london marathon if it goes ahead yeah i've got london as well so for the people that don't know it it was in april now it's been postponed to october 4th but they're going to be announcing something mid-june as to where it's going to take place and what the format will be and obviously there's a lot of rumors because boston's been postponed to next year i mean so what's your sort of thoughts on it? do you think it will happen this year Oh, my sway back and forth. I think I go from there's not a hope it will happen um, to big, mainly because of, you know, look at um, Boston, Berlin, you know, that's got to be kind of a sign. Um, yeah. And then I sit there and think, actually, you know, they could run uh, an elite race, championship race only um, on a different course. I don't know, you know. It sounds ludicrous, but I don't know, laps of Battersea Park or something. It's all closed off. It's flat, wide, smooth. I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, so my inclination is there'll be something that goes ahead. Um, but yeah, I, I, mean, for the, I don't know. For the elite race, I mean, obviously for the people that have qualified for the Olympics, it's fine for them and the top elites are getting paid to do it. But for the elites that I say wanting to get the Olympic qualifying time, as you know, like there's a window that has been shut up until I think around December sort of time. Mm. So even if they ran like the best race ever, <laughs> they qualified, it wouldn't even count. So it's a really strange one. Do you think like elites would want to take part, those that, that hadn't qualified? Yeah, I don't know. Because I guess obviously to go to the Olympics, you need the standard, which I think for men is like 2.11.30. Um, I can't yeah. remember the women's one off the top of my head. 2.29 um, something, yeah. Yes, yes, high two twenties, isn't it? Um, yeah. So I don't know what the score is. If they, if they ran that successfully in October, then you know when they get to um, early twenty twenty one, and there's a trial race, whether it's London in April, yeah. Um, you know, there's a little bit less pressure in terms of time. They just have to place in the top. I don't think it was pre-selected for females, so top three. Yeah. Um, so it may make it nice and simple. They won't be going to their qualifying race chasing times. They'll be going, they'll have the time banked. And I know a couple of them do already. Um, yeah. And it'll just be a case of, you know, first three across the line, go. Um, but yeah, I don't really know, to be honest. <laughs> it's it's yeah, a tough situation. No one really knows, to be honest. It's all really up in the air. I mean, like, for example, like my marathon uh, plan this year was going to be London in April and then Valencia in December. But now it's kind of getting closer and closer together. Um, so, say if London doesn't happen, I mean, what sort of backups are you looking at? Like maybe like Valencia or Seville, like next year maybe. 
Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. Obviously, Valencia is a really nice option. Um, a couple of our group have been out and done that. So, yeah, there's there's potential to go to Valencia. Um, otherwise, yeah, I don't really know. Just see what races come up and refocus for next year. I mean, at the moment, I'll just, you know, assume it's going to happen um, until someone tells me it's not. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. It's just like you can hear so much negativity. I was like, yeah, is it going to start? Is it going to go ahead or do you keep training? I'm like, well, you don't know. You keep training until they say it's not on. And then even if it's not on, what have you lost? Yeah, then that's it. And then, you know, what worst case scenario, you take a, take a week off and have a think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if this happened to you. This could just be me. But I think when London got postponed originally to October, I remember doing my first uh, interval session and, uh, Usually, uh, I mean, before that, I, I mean, whatever the weather, whatever the conditions, if I didn't feel up to it, I'd still get out and get the work done to get it completed. And I remember just like just getting that postponement to be like start my session and just not really wanting to put myself in a position to be uncomfortable, which you need to do. Uh, and I remember starting it and then stopping it and starting it and stopping it. <laughs> and I was also a bit conscious as well because it was the first part of like uh, lockdown. So uh, I was in a park and I couldn't really sort of sit down because you don't want people thinking, oh, that guy's sunbathing because you're wearing your shorts and your singlet. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, did you, but also that came back, gave myself a little bit of a talking to and then I was fine and just sort of got back onto it and, you know, been hitting my session since. But did you have like a little bit in the, after it got postponed to think, ah, oh, like uh, there's a little bit of moment to sort of reflect and sort of come back at all? Uh, actually beforehand, I had like a, a bit of a foot niggle that I was managing. So when they cancelled it, I just took two weeks off and, uh, or maybe not two weeks, maybe 10 days. I can't remember. Um, might have been back like out for a jog on the Saturday. So yeah, maybe 10 days. Um, but yeah, I just, <laughs> I just took two weeks off and chilled out and then, uh, and built back up after that. Um, but yeah, it's strange going out running kind of early on. You just think, Oh, even if you pass people out walking, you're like, well, they're doing their daily exercise. Why, you know, but why do I feel a bit, bit more guilty about doing mine because they're running I'm walking or they've got a dog and I don't or whatever it is but um yeah it's yeah it's a bit of a strange scenario but yeah I just took a couple yeah a bit of time off and then got back doing some um yeah just some easy running I didn't really worry about sessions for a little bit um and then just put them back in as and when I think you hit the nail on the head there because it's like during this sort of time no one's racing do you know what I mean so there's not any FOMO and it's like if you've got like a little niggle or something like that, you just take the time to sort it out. Yeah, exactly. You're not I, thing. I had one crack at a virtual race and I'd only been back running a couple of days. So um, <laughs> it didn't go very well. I ran myself really hard to not run very fast. And uh, yeah, probably probably wasn't my brightest idea. Um, but yeah, I had that fear of missing out for a little bit and then I haven't done one since. So, How did the race go? Oh yeah, it was terrible. I started off very ambitious and got progressively less <laughs> ambitious as I went along. Um, yeah, I then realised I still had to run home. So, um, but other than that, yeah, it was wonderful. It's nice to race, even if I was by myself. Um, yeah, I think virtual races are an interesting format, but they're they're quite tough because, like, I think sometimes you need the crowd or you need just your competitors and people around you to push you a little bit further. Oh yeah, it's um, you'll always run better in a race, but um, you know, virtual racing's obviously had its own challenges with people being able to pick courses and you know, do as they um, I don't know, um, make it as beneficial to them as possible. Which you know, why would you run uphill into a headwind if you don't have to? But it's obviously had its 
Um, it's got had its quirks, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, one hand, you've got the government advice in the UK about obviously it's changed now, but before about how much you could be outside, and it was a bit vague in terms of like how long you could be out and exercising for. And then obviously, then the people doing virtual marathons, and you're like, is that really, you know, suitable for the current situation? So, yeah, we had this 60 minute thing, which I don't really think. I actually saw officially anyway, but there was the 60 minutes kind of, you should be out for no more than an hour or something. But yeah. Yeah. Then there's all sorts of weird stuff. You can drive somewhere as long as your <laughs> drive is less time than you're exercising for. And yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Just run from your front door and yeah, don't, don't do anything silly. <laughs> and then he went to unlimited. It's just like, yeah, go fill your boots now. Just run as long as you want. Yeah. 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 Well, those virtual 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely crazy stuff um so you represented england back in 2016 for the british 100k road racing championships and you had a great result um but can you sort of talk us through how you then sort of started from the ultra then you dropped down to the marathon distance because typically people do it the other way around yeah so i started ultra running and that's kind of what i was doing beforehand before i met um alison who's my coach um so yeah i met her at like end of 2015 um, and I'd already kind of got myself in position to try this um, Anglo-Celtic plate, the 100k race up in Scotland. Um, so yeah, she was kind of, yeah, okay, we'll do it, we'll work towards it and then see where we go after that. We And we pretty much did a marathon style build up. I did, you know, marathon tempos um, just with some with some longer running. I still did my long reps. So I was training kind of like a marathon runner, just with extra long runs. Um, so it was a bit of an adopted um, or adapted kind of build up but that's probably the first marathon build up I went through with with Alison I just ran much further at the end um, so yeah and then after that I was kind of like well this that took a really long time um, and I actually enjoyed the training I enjoyed the tempos I thought well let's have a let's have a shot at a marathon instead um, you know and Alison's coaching range is really really good but you know I think she's probably at her best in in marathon coaching I'd say, you know, it's my marginally biased opinion, but um, that's what I'd say. So, yeah, I think it fits both very well. Yeah, I want to jump into a bit about your coaching because it's a fascinating part of your journey. But I just want to sort of go back to just 100K because I know after 2016, I think you've noted to say in 2017, 2018, you had some sort of um, tough years. Mm-hmm. Um, what happened then that sort of made you sort of think, okay, you know, maybe 100K is something I'll park for now? Um, so I'm trying to think now, 2017, I can't remember which I ran. I think I ran Stockholm marathon that year. Um, was that, yeah, I ran Stockholm. I basically was going through marathon buildups and something would break down. You know, I was, um, I couldn't quite hit the long tempos, um, and kind of something would break down I'd end up with a niggle. And, uh, I think mentally it became quite tough. So I, I could pull out like the occasional reasonable run, but I never had anything where I'd got, you know, a really good block of training in, um, very consistent, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was all a little bit up and down. Um, but, you know, I was enjoying the training and, um, yeah, it's just something wasn't quite clicking in those 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 months. So, um, yeah, we made a few I mean, changes. I mean, I've not run 100K before, but you guys are running at a, like, significant pace. So I can imagine that like, you're saying there's a lot of space in there for things not to go wrong, but do you know what I mean to have some sort of breakdowns in terms of just 
running 100k you mean there's like obviously a lot of training a lot of wear and tear in the body so i mean i guess that's where you're sort of coming from really yeah i think well um i wasn't really training for um any ultra stuff throughout 2017 2018 i switched to the marathon stuff then okay um, yeah i just think you know something we're doing or something i was doing wasn't quite working um yeah we had a, a kind of a tough tough period i think 20 17 i probably only ran two decent races um and one was at the end of may and one was at the start of june so um yeah it wasn't a stellar year but uh yeah we got we bounced back that's fair enough and obviously there were some injuries there and i mean what lessons did you take from those years that you taken into the current situation with covid 19 i know we touched upon it earlier um in terms of mindset in terms of just keeping focused um yeah, well, like I said earlier, you know, I love running, but some days I really don't. <laughs> and I think everyone, everyone has these kind of uh, little niggles and things like that. And um, yeah, you just learn a little bit about yourself and how you manage them. And I still get very stressed by them and kind of wound up. Uh, but um, yeah, I think going through like a couple of injuries, you start to you start to figure out how to cross train. You know, the very first time you try it, it's you know. Like, oh, I don't really like this. I'm not very good at it. And, um, but you know, you become more confident in actually stepping away from running and realizing that you can do lots of stuff outside of it. So yeah, I guess just finding, keeping a positive mindset and, uh, yeah, you know, finding another sport or an activity that you can use as cross training. Alternatively, if you don't like anything else, take a break. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you you know, your body, your body knows what's, what's right and what, when it needs to rest. Absolutely. And I was just thinking what you're saying, because as as you think for the first injury to say maybe two or three down the line, I guess your mindset does change because there's the period of time when you're just like, oh man, like, what do I do? And then the period of action, that sort of period, sort of, those periods sort of shift. So it's like for me, when I've had injuries before, it's like the first injury is you're just like, damn, what do I do? And then, then it's a period of action. But now it's kind of like almost, almost quicker, like, okay, cool have a break or what do I do to help get back to where I need to be I guess it's the same sort of thing for you it's just kind of that switching the, the mindset yeah that's it yeah it's just you know kind of adapting to it and I'd say yeah the very first first one or two I probably got um came in sat down didn't do a lot and just thought well I'll sit here and wait until I can run again um yeah yeah, which is fine. You know, if you want to take that approach, not a problem. Um, but now it'll be a case of, you know, like the start of this year, I did um, quite a lot of stuff on a Watt bike um, and actually quite enjoyed learning about bike sessions and, you know, all this type of stuff, like um, doing power tests and things like that. And it was, um, so now I actually enjoy it. Like if I, I enjoy getting out on the bike, and I still, um, since not quite the start of lockdown, I didn't have my bike with me. Um, but yeah, as everything's kind of eased and I've got it, I still go out a couple of times, a couple of times a week on the bike. Um, and it's something else I can enjoy with, with other people, you know, get out and, and have a ride and things like that. So yeah, there are benefits to, to finding the other sports. Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier that you're coached by Alison Benton, who set up the AB training group. Can you sort of tell us about the training methods that she's implemented and um, probably what was different to what you did previously and that helped and how it's helped uh, move you forward? Yeah, so um, the group's relatively large now. I couldn't tell you the exact numbers. There's probably 
uh, a dozen to 15 core athletes. Um, I don't know, I guess we, if you look at our WhatsApp group, there's loads of people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess, you know, they may, maybe we're looking at 20, 25 people um, that are you know, very, very active within the group at the moment. Um, but yeah, Stuart, is it 10 years? Um, I think she's had a, her 10th year anniversary was in April for starting the group. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've come a long, long way. Uh, I very first met Alison, yeah, end of 2015. And I remember sat down chatting to her and I said, oh, she's like, what's your, your goals in running? So oh, Alison, if I can, if I can break, um, 16 minutes to start with for 5k, I'd be really happy. You know, because I tried and tried and hadn't done it. And I think she kind of laughed. She's like, oh, okay, well, we can do that next week if you want, type thing. Um, and yeah, I think sure enough, around like her first race after being coached first, around like 15, 23 or something. Um, yeah, and then I said, oh, my long-term goal is if I can break, uh, if I can run under 30 minutes for 10K and under 220 for a marathon, I'd happily, happily retire. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to just yet. We've got more to do. <laughs> um but yeah so yeah then i kind of joined the group and there's a there's a whole lot of a lot of passion in allison's coaching um so originally she like our group now is based uh around south coast of brighton but just to get us started you know allison put on an extra night of training um in a different town which she came to for like four people five people to run you know up and down this park road um kind of get us involved get us feel like we're part of the group so yeah then we've kind of blended in down into brighton now and um yeah the group just goes from strength to strength you know there's always always people you know pushing boundaries there's always people taking leaps forward in performance um yeah it's just a very kind of motivating motivating group um yeah and led by lots of knowledge and passion which is really really good um in terms of what we've changed uh, early on, I did lots, you know, I was doing three sessions a week, a long run, a couple of uh, like a double day or two. Um, and it took a little while to realize between me and Alison to gel. Cause obviously Alison has her philosophy on training, which is proven across all the athletes to work very, very well. A range of distances from 800 meters to um, 24 hours or whatever it is, Dan Lawson's run now, 400 and something kilometers in the desert, John O'Groats to Land's End, whatever he's, his furthest run is i couldn't tell you but you know there's a range of range of distances um and yeah so between us yeah we've kind of adapted and it was building up for my first frankfurt marathon so it'd be an end of 2018 um was struggling a little bit with the build-up and i think i had a I had a session where we were down the seafront allison was comes out on her little brompton bike and um she's very good at pacing us and all been with us on our tempo efforts and I, you know, I could barely run 5k at marathon pace. And it's just like, there's something's not right. So we switched it up. Um, we stepped off, off the roads. We went onto like this smooth kind of trail, you know, trail runners wouldn't call it trail, but <laughs> it's, um, it's not tarmac. So it's, I'm going to call it trail, um, next to a river. And I saw, I was like, Oh, this is nice running up and down there. Like the pace was a couple of seconds off here or there, but you know, nothing drastic. Um, and drop to two sessions a week. So I'd do a, a long rep session with the group and a tempo session either with the group or with Alison. Um, and all of a sudden this started to work, you know, and in a very short build up to Frankfurt, um, I think we only had six weeks in the end, um, around 223, I think there. 
um, I thought, oh, actually, you know, this really, really works and started it again at the beginning of 2019. And I think we just found something that, that fits, you know, it fits what my body allows. It um, fits what my mind likes um, and everything just works. So, you know, we've got a couple more levers to pull yet, but that's the, that's the basis of, of what we do and how we got there. I think it's interesting what you say because you've got to find what works for you. You, you know, you can have certain runners that say uh, could run similar times, but one runs uh, 20, 30 miles plus more a week than the other does. Or like you said, in the sessions, like the traditional way to do sessions with three sessions a week. Some people still do it and have great successes. Like you said, it brought it down to two uh, sessions a week. Um, and you just got to find what works for you so you can run optimally in those sessions uh, rather than sort of killing yourself through the week and just suffering. Oh, exactly. You know, run, you know, the common question is how much should I run or what should I run? Well, you know, run as much as you can without getting injured. <laughs> if you yeah. get injured, you've run too hard or too much um, or there's something missing, you know, that run as much as you can without getting injured and then, yeah, figure out what you do with, with that volume. Um, yeah, and split it out evenly. So, yeah, it turns out, you know, if I run two sessions a week with a good quality long run, you know, that long run is probably my, accounts as my third session. Um, everything seems to kind of hold together and I can be very consistent. And that's what, you know, ultimately brings brings the performance benefits. Absolutely. And one of the things that you touched upon about the, the team was um, seeing this sort of the joint effect of everyone pushing each other together. And I believe your team motto is believe, belong, perform. So I'm going to focus on the word belong. Mm-hmm. And it seems like this group effect has had a massive part in your success when you're sort of seeing other people, um, you know, doing great things. I guess it rubs off on you. Yeah, like there's always some success going on. There's always something. Um, so it's very, very motivating to be around. And it's, uh, you know, um, everyone's there with, you know, I guess we've got relatively similar personalities. There's obviously everyone's different but there's there's common goals and things like that so it's very um motivated to be around and yeah you know success success breeds success um if you see it happening and you're surrounded by it it's it's kind of infectious i guess yeah and like you said you spent some time you're currently spending time with other top runners um especially like the members of your running group without name dropping them or other runners I mean, what are the biggest lessons and insights that you've learned from them that you implement in your own running? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, there's a couple. And there's just some very... Um, there's, there's people who just remind you, you know, almost an attitude check, like for someone just to say a nice, simple statement, like, well, you know, if you're having a bad session, um, you know, there's lots and lots of people who are very, very helpful. But I guess... Uh, one that always sticks in mind is um, JT James would be, you know, if you have a bit of a session on a, a Saturday or it's not gone well, you know, the standard, well, you got out Saturday morning, you ran hard, you know, that's, that's what you can do. And, you know, obviously we focus on paces and reps and times and things like that most of the time, but yeah, it's nice to have a refreshing reminder that when well, you got out Saturday morning, you ran really hard. It's, you've got, your, it's all done. Um, you're not injured. Away you go. And come back next week <laughs> so yeah it's kind of refreshing to have have a different outlook on it i think everyone's very very um you know self-critical and we're probably our own worst critics in terms of performance so yeah it's nice to have a a little reminder as simple as that 
So I guess like you want to be excellent and you want the group to remain, keep that, that standard of excellence. So I guess it's, yeah, it does rub off on each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everyone's pushing for something, um, whether it's, you know, like I said, it's whether it's 800 meters, 1500 meters, a marathon, um, everyone's working hard for something. And that range of people means, you know, you've got within a session, there's no, um, there's no rep that's really safe <laughs> for a better <laughs> way of looking at it. You know, if we, the shorter they get, we've got the middle distance guys are, um, dragging us around or making us look silly. Um, and then the longer the reps get, you know, the endurance guys are, are pushing paces and there's plenty of them to do that. So, um, yeah, everyone's pushing and there's no, there's no real let up, but it's a whole heap of fun at the same time. I think you need that though, to be honest. Yeah. You need that intensity because it, like, it definitely pushes you forward. So, but like you said, it's, it's can't be always easy when you've got like, <laughs> you know, like those sort of people just putting in that, that those efforts. So, uh, you know, you've got to keep showing up. That's it. Keep showing up. And, you know, I think a group, any training group um, probably comes into its own a bit more when when you are struggling, not when you're at your best. You know, when you're at your best, you're probably helping them. Um, you're at the front. You're you're setting paces. They're they're chasing you. They're motivated by you. Um, you know, but you, I think, yeah, they're probably or group should be at its best when um, maybe when you're a bit down or you're struggling, and you know, it's there's someone there to you can get out on a Tuesday night when it's cold and wet and go, actually, I'm going to go down and go training. And, you know, you can, there's a whole group of people there to kind of, I don't know, not necessarily support, but, um, keep you accountable, keep you accountable. And yeah, just, yeah, make sure you're there, make sure you're doing it. Absolutely. And I want to talk about nutrition now. Now it's obviously, um, individual for the person and you know what works for one doesn't work for the other i mean whilst there's some core principles of what fuel that runners require and you said previously that you're a vegetarian um and you noted that uh, you felt sluggish after eating uh fish and meat so for like a non-vegetarian who's listening to this can you sort of explain the rationale behind this and what foods better suit you yeah so the rationale was i just felt um yeah i just felt lethargic and yeah, I was, uh, this was in by kind of 2017, 2018. Um, and obviously I'd had a bit of a rough time throughout 2017, I guess. And then I just thought, oh, I'll try something. You know, I wasn't doing heaps of training at the time. I wasn't going, I was like, I'll just try something. So I just, like, I won't eat meat. Um, so, I mean, I'm fairly sure a nutritionist or dietitian would look at that and say it's not the not the best approach, but, you know, looking back, Maybe I should have got more advice, but that's what I did. Um, and just felt better. So, yeah, I cut cut out meat um, for no other reason than I just wanted to see what it felt like. And I've kind of carried on from there. Um, you know, there's no intolerance. And obviously, I appreciate the like environmental impact to it. But there's um, that was the crux of why I did it. And, yeah, I mean, now I don't want to be rude. Like, if people... Um, a cooking me dinner or something and there's dairy and fish and you know I'll kind of I'll have a little bit of fish but yeah I've not touched um, I've not had any meat since then um, well red or red or white meat but yeah as I said no real kind of logic or anything I just wanted to change something um, and went from there and yeah I really enjoy it so now I'm you know I'm very much predominantly um, 
eating, you know, grains, vegetables, um, yeah, an occasional tiny bit of dairy and and maybe fish at some point. Uh, I'd say, yeah, in terms of fuel, I think, in my opinion, running just requires um, lots of energy. So, you know, don't go overboard, but um, yeah, make sure you get in in your in what's going to fuel you and recover you. Uh, as long as you're relatively sensible, you know, running's a you know, as I said, requires a huge amount of energy. So you'll put it to good use. Yeah. And it's it's right, like you've got like you say, you've got to find what works for you and with running quickly or whatever, it it, it can be a bit delicate on the stomach, so you have to find what works as well. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but they all it all counts whether you feel sluggish or you slightly feel slightly ill. It's just like experimenting with what works, what doesn't work for you. And then when you find it, you kind of tend to stick with it. Yes, I completely agree. Uh, everyone's, you know, um, it's N equals one, isn't it? Everyone's their own version of, of normal. And, and uh, what works for me won't work for the person stood next to me, you know. And um, But yeah, it's maybe take a little bit more advice and do a bit more research than I did. But um, yeah. yeah, try it out. Uh, now's the good time. There's no races. You know, give it a shot. Um, now's the time to try things in terms of lifestyle, training, whatever you want to try. Just give it a shot. Um, but yeah, maybe take a, a bit more of a logical view than I did. Um, and I'm not sure if you do this, but for me, what I try and do is I try and replicate my meals and even like fueling for my tempo runs in my training. So I've got like a base that I know it works. I mean, do you do something similar? Yeah, I probably eat, um, yeah, relatively similar foods throughout, um, you know, week by week. Um, but yeah, when it comes to racing, I just do exactly the same. Like I don't carb load, you know, I just figure when I'm tapering, I'll eat about the same amount, but I'm running slightly less. So effectively I'm, I'm loading up anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, everyone's got there. I think you do get into, especially when you work and train, you probably end up with, without thinking about it, you end up with kind of go-to meals and you just, you know, your shopping then becomes easy and you just do this, that. And, uh, yeah, once you figure out what works, you, you kind of all just slowly morphs itself into your, your routine and your habits, I guess. Can you describe the moment in your running journey that you uh, realized that your natural talent alone was enough to be your best? And when did you realize that you had to combine both nature and nurture together? Oh, wow. Um, I wouldn't, say i'm naturally that that talented i don't think um i think that's i think natural talent highlights itself more as a junior and obviously i didn't run run as a junior um so i think going straight into doing a bit of running going straight into training with a group um i think your kind of work ethic is you know your predominant feature um especially as a senior athlete um See, I don't really have that kind of moment where I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to have to start working hard now. Uh, I think just jumping with a group and, um, you know, obviously only starting my my athletic career as a senior, um, it just always occurred to me to um, just put work in and, you know, enjoy it while I do it. But yeah, work hard from the start. And yes, I don't really have that um, like junior career behind me, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, what you said actually does sort of sum up what I've, what I've, when I've asked this question to other athletes, they've said the same sort of thing. I think the ones that started out young, 
you know, they were just trailblazing. They were just winning races, you know, easily, especially in the junior age. Mm. And then they got to the point when they're in their teens, you know, then it started to hit that they needed to combine it. And then there's that period where the time where you're like, it's hard work. But then they've all sort of gone on to say, like you said, there was, there was a small, small period of, of like talent and then the rest of it has just been hard work. Yeah, yeah. And we say hard work. It's not like, I hate it when athletes call it a grind or anything like that. Like, you know, you're doing it because you enjoy it. It's not a grind. You're you're working hard, but I don't see it as, you know, it's not like a... There's worse things you could be doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We, totally. We've chosen to do it. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, but yeah, there is a point where you have to just kind of get your head down and do everything that needs to be done. Um, yeah, yeah. Trying to yeah. try and have a smile on route. <laughs> yeah, it's a pandemic happening, and you can't be like, "Oh, you know, it's so tough for my legs after that session." <laughs> like you chose to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Absolutely. So, when you're racing a marathon, do you run with your head, or do you run with your heart, or is it both? Oh wow! Oh, that's a famous quote, isn't it? So, <laughs> um, run the first first half with your head, and the last half with your heart, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the way Alison gets us training, we we are very confident when we go to the start of the race what we're capable of running. Um, so I would say we run a huge amount of it um, kind of with our head. But everyone knows in a marathon, you know, if you've run one properly, that last kind of 5, 10k, depending how well you've, you've fueled and paced, um, yeah, no amount of logic gets you through that. you just got to... Um, fall back on all your training and just keep uh just keep hitting it as hard as you can um but yeah i mean my best experience is definitely definitely brighton marathon um and that was a race i don't i think there was early on you know we were running kind of sensibly but um in terms of a, a racing experience you know the the head or the heart took more of the uh of a leading role than the head in that one um you know, there's lots of people pushing to try and get away from people, catch people. And we obviously had a, a fantastic finish to that race, um, which I'm going to, I'll certainly remember forever. Um, so I think, you know, typically in marathon running, lots and lots of it's in the head, you know. Um, and But you always need to use your kind of heart and resilience towards the end. Um, it's just how soon you need to use that. It's a tough one as well, because like you're coming off a taper, and you've got fresh legs, so your legs aren't as beat up as they've been up through the, the previous weeks. So it's like always trying to remind yourself in the, the beginning miles when it feels a lot easier to, to be like reining in a little bit as well. Oh yeah, your head. yeah, yeah. You spend twelve weeks with tired legs, just longing to so you know what they feel like in the first thirty minutes of a marathon, where it feels wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's so deceptive, isn't it? And it's just like the, the thing that you always got was like rein back in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. You've like because marathon pace. If you're tapered and fresh, your marathon pace is not hugely challenging for your legs. Yeah, feels easy. That first half hour or so is probably crucial in terms of yeah being being sensible. Absolutely, because you feel brilliant. Like I think that's the best you ever feel in your running is that <laughs> is that moment. You're kind of like oh yeah, you know this is so easy. <laughs> um, it's like- but Wait, yeah, like, where have you been all my life? It's like yeah, here you are. Yeah. Where <laughs> were you the last three months? <laughs> exactly. yeah, um, yeah, that soon comes. It soon unravels step by step. But yeah, feels lovely. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, definitely going with the head at the beginning is, is so crucial. But like, so I guess it's something we all learn and try and get better at um, as, with, with each race. And uh, 
but like you said like you've done the work before and you've got a training group behind you so like there's so much more rationale there to, behind it to, to help you sort of settle into that sort of rational place yeah that's it and uh, you know before brighton we were out here um in france for a training camp and i think i ran um probably the best session i've ever run i did 30 odd kilometers um on like an out and back road in you know, this little town called Lemieux in france um you know averaging whatever it was at the time 215 marathon pace and being able to accelerate at the end um so by the time you get to race day you just go actually you know it's only another it's only another 30 minutes it's not that bad and i'll be rested i'll be tapered um so yeah that that inspires a lot of confidence knowing that you can do it so you don't feel like you have to rush off at the start and you know as people say bank time or anything like that i'm by that point i'm always very confident i could run even pace or negative splits um yeah and so the negative splits where the where the heart comes in i guess but whatever your head whatever your head leads your heart to do <laughs> i reckon whoever sort of made the, the term bank time is like is this like some sort of reverse psychology they want you to fail because it never works <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i've tried it <laughs> it's a painful <laughs> way to run so. yeah you're like yeah just yeah don't do it so uh yeah go with the head first yeah um, i think your heart should be kind of at the end it should be driving you to go faster not willing you not to slow down so. absolutely absolutely and sort of moving to sort of uh, grassroots sort of um athletics um here in the uk night of the 10,000 is like a big event and you've had the chance to run it a few times can you sort of talk about your experiences doing that and the importance it has for uk athletics Oh, it's uh, it's an incredible event. Like that's kickstarted lots and lots of others. Um, and yeah, my experience are mixed. I've had, um, I think I've run it three times. Uh, my very first time there it was my first ten thousand meters on the track, and um, it was just me. And my sister came up to watch with me. Actually, she's uh, she's obviously a very good runner and a athletics fan. So she came up to see what what Highgate was about, and. Uh, so, yeah 25 lap race and i remember her with 24 laps to go telling me to hang on <laughs> so <laughs> i thought oh i'm clearly not looking looking good here um so yeah that first one was not not a pleasant experience so i don't know what was what was up but yeah I had a tough time but then the the other two times yeah been brilliant um we came straight back from a trip to portugal and got to have a, a good run i think i ran under 31 minutes on the track which was quite nice and then the following year was uh super hot so that was another kind of um like heart head over heart type race where you've got to kind of think okay this isn't going to be the fastest day you know make sure you take cups of water pour them on your head it's kind of the sensible side comes out looking after yourself and getting the best out of yourself on that day um and i still think i ran just under 31 again but you know, it's an incredible experience to then um, relax, you know, stand in lane three with everyone else and watch uh, watch some incredible athletics. So, yeah, they're yeah, brilliant experience. And there's, you know, it's stemmed, uh, lots of events have stemmed from that. You know, you've got uh, Fast Friday, Milton Keynes, 5,000, you know, you've got all of these types of races now popping, that have popped up. And, you know, although Highgate is probably still the biggest, they're all, you know, I've done done the others as well, and I'd highly, highly recommend getting to them as well. It's um, yeah, it's just a good, like you said, grassroots night of athletics. People just wanting to go out and run fast. 
which is brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing to see. And uh, it's funny, yeah, your sister saying that at the first lap, hang on. I mean, like, that's like not what you want to hear. It's just like when you're in a marathon saying, you keep going, you're almost there at mile two. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? like, yeah, yeah, exactly on. that. I got my own back. She recently ran, um, or last year she ran having the marathon, her first marathon, and she ran past me at, I don't know, 24 and a half, 25 miles. Like, Paul, it really hurts. So I'm like, well, of course it does. So <laughs> it's supposed to, <laughs> off you go. Um, you know, she obviously went on and did very, very well there. But yeah, so I think I got my own back with, well, yeah, you've run 25 miles, it's supposed to hurt. <laughs> so is this like sibling banter, basically, trying to put you off? <laughs> Both sides. Yeah, no, no, she's very, very good. So uh, yeah, you know, between, between uh, my girlfriend and my sister, lots of kind of um, inspiration on the female side. So yeah, it's, it's all good fun. And do you prefer running, say, like a five or ten k on the track on the road? Um, I don't mind. Like, I really, really like laps. I'm fine on the track. Um, the road feels less clinical. I guess I think a track can feel quite clinical in terms of it's four hundred meters pan flat. Um, you all line up, get into lane one as quick as you can, um, and it's just watching a clock, really, isn't it? Every every 400 yeah. meters that so feels a bit more clinical um on the road feels like proper racing i feel like you know that's i feel like i'm going to a race and not a time trial then um, yeah but you know that's down to my experience i'm sure if there, there's people running 10,000 on the track at world championship level or olympic level where there is lots more tactics involved um yeah. but yeah from the level i'm at i'd find a 10,000 feels feels yeah more clinical and less I don't want to say the word pure, but yeah, less like a, a race as such. I guess because every lap, like you're getting your times called out and you know the times, so you know the splits are hitting each time. Whereas I guess when you're in a road race, you might not have your watch or you might have it, but you, it's, you're, it's more you, road, other competitors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. You know, you can move around a bit more. Like everyone knows on the track, you've got to be in lane one, you know, as quick as you can. There's no point running around in any other lane. So yeah, boys on the road, you can kind of there's obviously you know twist turns, slight up down, all this type of stuff. It just feels a bit more like a race. Um, so yeah, Absolutely. I love both, but I think yeah, my um, the road would top it for me. Yeah, and also like you you don't, you don't want to waste energy in terms of like overtaking on the bends, for example. You know, you, you're always having to keep that sort of mindset of stay close to the pack, but not waste energy deviating from you know the lane that you're in yeah and you know you just don't worry about that stuff you must you probably do that on a road race all the time you just don't really yeah. think about it whereas on the track yeah. it's so clear you're like oh i'm actually you know two meters away from where i need to be now running around running around a bend so yeah, yeah. i think it's um yeah i prefer prefer road for racing yeah have you watched the uh recent series uh the last dance with michael jordan i have yeah what have you thought about it? What's your sort of takeaways from that show? Um, what have I thought about it? I just think it's an incredible insight into um, what a person, uh, like the mindset of a person who wants to achieve what he wants to achieve and the how he can influence people. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's just a, it's a pretty incredible story. Um, it's interesting because like, I don't know how you feel like this. Like I like to think I'm, pretty ambitious or you know like goal driven but then you still see, see like michael jordan you're like wow i'm clearly n- nowhere near that level of ambition yeah oh yeah drive. exactly yeah i'm so wishy-washy compared to this chap um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah yeah it's just amazing isn't it really um, 
Yeah, he's very will to win is just insane. I mean, where do you sort of think that comes from? I have no idea. I mean, it's, I don't know if it's something from their upbringing, you know, I don't know. Maybe he was told by someone as a toddler, he had never amount to a basketball player, whatever it is, you know, that's kind of rooted in there that drives him. But he's, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a whole life behind him before he started uh, professional basketball. So anything could could have that and it could just be that basketball is his um I don't know how to say it like his his way of putting that into practice you know he's he could have if you had put him into any environment um, maybe that that drive comes out and he would have been you know the best at croquet in the world ever but you know basketball is just where he's he ended up um displaying that yeah and I just sort of think back to like the stuff that you do with your training group, the AB training group. Now he was, you know, really, you know, particular and just, I mean, expected high levels from his team. So I imagine in the similar ways, it's kind of like with, with, with your teammates, like you guys, um, well, your team, you, you want to do the best. So I guess if there's anyone sort of slacking, like you just sort of go, look, this is the standards that we have, you know, we need to pick it up. <laughs> so in the early days, yeah, I've, um, you know, I wasn't there from the very start, but um, yeah, Alison's husband David is has a nickname from one of our um, one of our athletes is Mr. Stern, and I think he <laughs> he was a very very good athlete. You know, himself as a um, throughout university and and beyond. But you know, he initially kind of set the standards of um, why are you wearing why are you wearing these long basketball shorts? You know, why are you not doing drills and kind of get everyone lined up and you know behave behave like you're an athlete and uh, um that's kind of stuck so yeah everyone still turns up and you know um they do their drills look after themselves you know if it's cold you've got tights on if it's you know all this type of stuff um so yeah 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 i think uh, early on um yeah david single-handedly was responsible for setting setting the standards that everyone follows now um so if basically someone turns up with all this running kit and gear, they're going to be like, what are you doing? <laughs> so yeah. 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 Like, it's minus five. Why haven't you got tights to warm down in and things like that? Like you're just silly. Um, yeah. So, and then obviously everyone has their own quirks and uh, with what they do, what they wear. But yeah, we have like an ongoing thing about being best dressed and stuff like that. So it's all, it's all quite amusing, but yeah, you know, the fact of it is that there's, um, everyone does the simple things well now without thinking about absolutely. it absolutely so moving to the final questions um now from the outside looking in if someone just looks at your instagram post or just looks at your uh running results it'll be like you know pause a runner that's all he that's 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 what we know and you know things can be deceptive you know, we, you know it only sort of shows one sort of side of our lives like for example people could look at my instagram page and be like you know, that's what you do as your job or whatever, but it's not, it's, it shows a very small aspect of my life. Um, so putting you know, preconceptions to one side, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror, I mean, who do you see that, you know, people probably misinterpret or miss? Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I think kind of an Instagram page is just like an insight into, into, you know, um, into the running, um, yeah, outside of that, you know, I've uh, obviously working full time um, and 
yeah, there's you know, there's lots and lots of stuff outside of the running that's just like yeah, it doesn't get um doesn't get seen via like social media or just running results, you know, it's it just looks like you spend the whole time going to races. Um but you know, yeah, the things that I like doing is, you know, obviously running allows me to spend time with with my girlfriend. She like I get to to run with her. Um and that's the main thing that's kind of changed in the last since I made her eighteen months ago, you know. Um although running's important, it's nice to have um someone that's more important and uh something that's more important. So it kind of um yeah, when I get up, I think, you know, look at myself, I'd say I'm, you know, just a, a happy, you know, I think I'm moderately funny and, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, day-to-day life, um, running's kind of, kind of comes secondary to, to that, um, yeah, despite what Instagram says. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like, yeah, it's like it's one side of one's life, but then there's other parts, you know what I mean? Like you said, like you're up partner as well so um yeah it's like the running side is like you know a big part but then it's like yeah there's other parts of your life too yeah yeah so you know there's obviously that which um and then you know i enjoy my work i've uh you know i'm working working as a personal trainer and you know seeing other people um whether it's you know lifting heavier weights uh running further running faster you know cycling more days a week whatever it is that's getting them out and about and active you know um you know i enjoy that as well so it's not just running 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 it's um yeah there's lots of people i like spending my time with and, and lots of other things i like doing absolutely and what is one non-negotiable behavior that you do daily non-negotiable behavior yeah oh wow um I don't. I have a, a couple of little quirks. Regardless of what I'm putting on, I will always, always, always put left shoe on first. So I would always, even if I pick up my my right shoe or my right sock, left, I put it down and find the left one. Um, and I couldn't do it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like a good luck type thing? I have sort of... absolutely no idea. <laughs> I can't remember <laughs> when it started. I can't remember why I do it. But if we're if we're heading out anywhere, whether it's, you know, for a run, for a walk to the shop, if I'm putting a pair of shoes on, um, left first every single time and no one can get me to it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And what is the biggest lesson that running has taught you? Um, the biggest lesson running has taught me in the grand scheme of things. Um, if you're having a bad day, no one really cares. You know, I think we're so self-involved at times that we think, um, you know, oh, this is going to go on Strava or, you know, this race result won't won't look as good as I want it to. Um, and I get, you know, I still get down or get fed up if it's not gone well. But, you know, I'll have a little bit of a grump and then, you know, the grand scheme of things, no one, really, no one it's not going to last forever. No one, no one overly cares. No one's going to, you know, um, pin you down and grill you about it it's um yeah accept what it is move on um yeah. absolutely i think yeah we can worry so much about what other people are thinking but other people worrying about themselves yeah, so worried they? about so... themselves yeah yeah like you know you it's very very individual sport isn't it and the chances are you know if you seem grumpy you found like you had a bad race someone's gonna, gonna go oh 
well, yeah, sorry, you know, mine wasn't perfect either. And you kind of think, oh, actually, yeah, everyone's, you know, everyone's having a good day, everyone's having a bad day, whatever it is. Um, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, don't don't let it, don't get wrapped up in it. Um, Absolutely, yeah, you can always go out the next day or the next week and and do it all again. So, yeah. Absolutely. And if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, start running sooner. <laughs> or start just, I think if you're really, really young, um, just do everything, every sport, any exercise, you know, don't be specific early on. Just just acquire, you know, all of those movements, volume, time, um, and have fun doing it. But yeah, once you start, if you decide running's for you, um, yeah. Just, just get stuck in early and uh, and enjoy it. Don't do it if it's not fun. Absolutely. And uh, where can people follow your journey online? Oh, I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter. It's just um, at Paul Navesy and obviously on, on Strava if anyone's interested in um, looking at little running routes and times. <laughs> I love you so if anyone's interested, you know that the, the Strava police will be on you to a list. <laughs> <laughs> I love Strava. Oh, you ran too many laps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ran too laps, doesn't count as the first time. All right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't don't see it. I stop for coffee or <laughs> stroke a yeah, dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's like that's criminal to a list. Um, jokes aside, Paul, it's been great talking to you. And uh, yeah, thanks for being a, a guest on the Runner's Life podcast. Hey, no worries, Marcus. Thanks very much. You have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash a runner's life. If you want to get in touch with me or see what I'm up to, you can follow me on my Instagram page at themarathonmarcus. Your time is valuable, so thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a Runner's Life podcast.